Hello and welcome. You are listening to Navigating the Metaverse, where we interview trailblazers in the NFT and metaverse space who share their insider advice for how to do business in the Web 3.0 era. Your hosts are Tommaso DiBartolo and Kathy Hackle. And this series is brought to you by Upland and Decrypt Media, your go-to media source for demystifying Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the decentralized web. By the way, did you know that you can buy, sell, and trade virtual land inside of Upland, the metaverse that is mapped to the real world? People love it because Upland is so much more than a game. Uplanders earn real money by running so-called meta-ventures where they sell virtual goods, aka NFTs, to others. Even better, a super engaged and helpful community helps newcomers to make first steps in this dynamic and fast-growing metaverse a lot of fun. You can download Upland on iOS or Android or enter it on the web by using the referral link in the show notes. Grab your special sign-up bonus of 6,000 UpX today and start rebuilding the world with others. With that being said, enjoy today's episode. And we are good to go with another session of Navigating the Metaverse. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, depending on where you are tuning in from. Very excited to have another amazing round of panel today with Joshua, Andrew, and... Kathy Hackle. Kathy, how are you? Doing great, Tommaso. Always a pleasure to do this and learning one chat at a time. Joshua, how are you today? I'm good and very excited to be here. Thank you for doing this. And Andrew, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. But let me introduce our panel. Joshua Roth is the VP of Development for Decrypt Studios. He's an Emmy-nominated and Clio Award-winning producer and writer with 15 years of experience in the film, television, and branded content content industry. It's an honor to have you here on the show, Joshua. Thank you, Tomasa. Super excited. Andrew Hayward is the senior writer at Decrypt. He's a writer and editor of 15 years covering topics on video games, gadgets, esports, crypto, apps, and more across 100 total plus publications. He wrote for publications such as Rolling Stones, Wise, Playboy, Polygon, Edge, Official Xbox Magazine, IGN, and others. What a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I appreciate it. All things metaverse. And uh, the mission here is really to share some lessons learned and give some, our audience some guidance on business opportunities in Web3. I would like to kick off things with you, Andrew, actually. And uh, we have seen a couple of acquisitions, one of the, the most renowned on Microsoft, acquiring Activision, right? But the term itself of metaverse is still kind of cloudy and nebulous, not really clear. Many people associate with all things 3D, VR, AR, right? What do you think? Are we ever going to um, have a common denominator on what this metaverse is? What are your two cents to it, Andrew? I, I think we'll get there, but it, it may not happen anytime soon. I mean, it just feels like we see people talking about the metaverse, especially companies. We see announcements, but it's not entirely clear, you know, which version or, or what their idea is of the metaverse. I mean, some people... When they talk about the metaverse, it's clear for them that it's about, uh, you know, crypto blockchain technology. It's about ownership. It's about interoperability. Um, for other people, you know, maybe Facebook and Tencent. You wonder if it's more of a closed ecosystem. If they're really going to be so friendly to, um, you know, projects and startups building in the crypto space. And then, you know, especially in the case of Microsoft and Activision, 
you know, I, I read their announcement and I don't see anything that makes me think of a crypto ecosystem or NFTs in particular. For them, it sort of feels like maybe it's more of a VR, AR kind of push, like you said. And, you know, right now it is nebulous. It is just sort of unclear and it, it may take time before we kind of have the right term that means exactly what, or, or a term that everyone can agree on and, and maybe we'll get other terms that sort of better delineate the differences between them. So still not clear, right? Um, Joshua, um, when we look at what we are also reading nowadays beyond the activation, we see a bunch of brands signing deals with Metaverse, right? But what does it really mean from an experience perspective? What are we potentially be able to do um, in the near future or eventually even today um, in terms of uh, next-gen consumer engagement around ownership, right? What are your thoughts on this, Joshua? I think that's a really good question because, you know, right now we have been in the uh, development and to a certain degree land acquisition mode with a lot of these spaces. Um, you know, it, that that's kind of, you know, it, it, that is a question of what comes next is now that we have these locations, these metaverses, what do we do there? You know, what do we experience there? What, what's the fun that we can have there? Uh, I can say that from our end at Crip, we've definitely started to think a lot about metaverse events. Uh, experiences, be they activations. Um, we, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but you know, we have some really you know fun projects that we've been working on. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, part of the part of the fun about this is that you know, going into a metaverse space, we don't have to be bound by you know what what the limitations we have in the physical space are. We can go different places. We can fly. We can do whatever. So it's it's going to be really fun to see how people become creative with the experiences that they create that are beyond just a replication of reality. And I think that's going to be really what starts to push people into these worlds and having a lot of fun in them. On March 01, Joshua, you guys had actually pretty intriguing uh, premiere, right? In uh, the metaverse in collaboration with uh, Spatial, right? Did you mind navigating us through this uh, immersive experience? What learnings do you add and uh, how did it feel? Yeah, that was actually quite a bit of fun. So we were approached by uh, Super LTD, which is a film production company, to uh, hold a Metaverse film premiere uh, for some guests and for the public and whatnot. And so what we created uh, in the spatial world with, with some partners is a, a screening that you know, took, took its direction from a very, you know, the popular meme of to the moon in the crypto world. We had a Metaverse screening on the moon, uh, complete with you know, a, sort of a landing site. Um, the, the film was about uh, GameStop, uh, it was called GameStop Rise of the Players. Uh, it was about the whole you know, GameStop phenomenon of January 2021 uh, with the stock going to the moon uh, and so on. And, you know, we had some fun activations, some, some fun events. Um, the landscape looked great. Andrew was kind enough to uh, participate along with us. Uh, and it was really interesting. You know, it, it's kind of an example of what I was just speaking about in that, you know, we could have held this event in a movie theater. Uh, which a lot of, you know, some of the other screenings that have happened in the metaverse have done, which is fine and fun, and I've seen them, and they actually look really great. At the same time, I can walk into a movie theater in the real world, and uh, it, it's wonderful, um, but it, it, doesn't, I, it doesn't take advantage of the technology. And I think that uh, part of the reason the response to the event was so great, uh, both for the attendees and for people who wrote about it and so on, is that it was something new, it was something interesting. It wasn't something you can do in real life, which is part of the fun of the metaverse. I was just going to say I got to sit uh, in a Lambo on the moon and watch the movie with my boss, who I had never met in real life at that point. So, I mean, I'm probably not going to get to do that in real life. And 
that was a pretty cool experience. There's always hope, Andrew. You never know. <laughs> I love it. Sitting on the moon on a Lambo. Kathy, what do you think about sitting on the moon on a Lambo next to your potential customer, right? <laughs> only in the metaverse, right? Yeah, only in the metaverse. I think, I think it's proof it's just proof that, you know, when we're when we're designing these worlds and, and the work that we're doing, right? It's sometimes we want to transfer the physical into the virtual, and that's okay. Like that works too. But like I work with a lot of luxury brands and a lot of fashion brands, and I'm like let's do something different. Like it doesn't have to be the, the same thing, right? It could be, you know, flying gondolas or whatever it is that you want to create or do. Right. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love that. Love that, Andrew. <laughs> so you mentioned something very interesting and Kathy uh, touched upon uh, the word physical to the metaverse. Andrew, what have you seen in terms of, uh, maybe demand or opportunities when it comes to, uh, have you heard of the term fidgetal also that has been circulating, right? What are your thoughts there on opportunities um, and business creation around that term? Yeah, I mean, that sounds like an exciting opportunity, the potential to really feel what we see in the metaverse and sort of have that that missing link filled so that it doesn't just feel purely digital and purely in your head. It's sort of like you could wear something that gives you haptic feedback, for example. And that way it sort of translates that, that experience of digital into, you know, your physical experience. So, um, I, you know, I guess we probably need to get a little further along in terms of metaverse adoption and get more of the infrastructure up before there's significant demand for it, but I, I wouldn't blame any companies for starting to build in that direction. Uh, it could potentially be huge. And Joshua, what are your thoughts on on the opportunities of connection between the physical and then the digital world? I mean, you know, it's, it clearly seems to be a step that will come at some point because the the, the point of all this, you know, not the, the point, but you know, the 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 feeling, the experience is really about the immersion. Um, and right now, we can see it. Uh, in the future, being able to feel it or smell it or, you know, be completely surrounded by it or truly be able to walk through it. Like, yeah, these are, this is the dream. Like, this is this is the future. So, I mean, it, it makes total sense to me. And I think it's definitely coming at some point. And and Im immersiveness, uh, Joshua, right? Uh, you were you were now watching this movie in uh, in the metaverse, right? What was the the benefits that would not have been uh, possible in a physical world? What was bond bundled online? Were there NFTs involved? Were there some form of extended rewards and words? So like, what was the business case like uh, in uh, in this experiment that you guys did or in this release? Well, you know, it's funny. We did do a PO app, which was a lot of fun. Uh, th these are definitely fun little, you know virtual ticket stubs that we can take from these experiences. But, you know, really the, the, for me, the main, the main thing that we really took from it, the main value add is proximity and location. We had people who visited this experience from all over the world. And once we, once the, the actual screening was done, we kept the room online for a week so that people again could come in, see what it looked like, see what the options were, see what the possibilities were, you know, particularly in a, in a post COVID world or in a decentralized world or whatnot, the fact that we can all just click on this link and be together and, you know, see a little picture of ourselves and walk around and have a conversation. You know, there's some really cool um, audio tricks that they use in this where if you're close to somebody, you can hear them as if they're right up next to you. And if they're farther away, it sounds like it's a conversation that's further away. So it really, you know, it really replicates an experience that, you know, we would have in real life, except for we're not together. But we are in this space. And that's kind of the magic of it all. 
I would think that there'd also be a big value add in creating that unique scenario. Like you were always going to remember that you saw a movie on the moon in a Lambo versus just sitting in a theater or even just sitting in like a VR version of a movie theater. You know, it was something really unique that really amplified the experience. I 100% agree. And from, you know, coming from a, a branded content world, like everybody's always trying to create these activations that are interesting and are memorable and are not just something that you, you do and then it's done and you never think about it again. You know, everybody, the, the point of advertising is to remember, really. You know, you're walking down a hall or a, an aisle or whatnot, you see a product, you remember it, you remember the, the good feelings you have associated with it from whatever, eating it as a child or going there when, for a great event or whatnot. And yeah, Andrew, you're, you're totally right. Like, that is such a huge part of it is, you know, you create these moments that are memorable, that are unique, that are different, and maybe you couldn't have in the real world. Uh, and it just really creates this whole new sort of emotional value add that goes along with the experience. And to that point, I feel like one of the things I talk, I say to every brand and company I work with is just because it happens in a virtual space doesn't make it less real. These are real moments, real memories, you know, and I always go back to that example. My son for son's first concert was Lil Nas X and Roblox. He says, I was there. I was there with Nas. I saw Nas, right? These are like, these are real. These are real moments and memories, right? Um, so I think it's really important to kind of highlight that. But I love, absolutely love what you guys did with that. That's that's great. And you kept it open for a week and and, and everything. Are you thinking of opening it back up again? Or like, what, what are other interesting things you, you know, you might be thinking of? We may, yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. we keep a special offline version that we can show people um, just so they can experience the world if they want to. Oh, uh, but yeah, we may bring it back. Like, it's it's possible to use it for, for different experiences. Um, yeah, we could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of these things, it's, it's really interesting, and, and I don't know if this is something we were going to discuss at some point, but, you know, thinking about doing these events from a, 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 you know, a, a, an attendee's point of view or somebody who wants to create something like this is really thinking about, you know, what the, what the long-term goal of the event is. Is this a permanent installation, right? Is this, you know, there are differences in a lot of these spaces. Some of them are, you know, land ownership models, and some of them, like spatial, which we used, are instance models. So we create our own room, you walk into it, you keep it live for as long as you want. Whereas if you're building something in, you know, a permanent or a persistent world, it's going to be there until you take it down. Uh, so it, it's, it's really interesting to start to think about, you know, what your goals are in creating these events, who you want to come, how long you want them to come. Do you want to continue to evolve it, or is it a one-time thing? You know, for example, at ours, once the, the screening was over, we set up so that the trailer would play on loop. So people could always come in and have, still have a, you know, a, an audio-visual going-to-a-movie kind of experience. So, yeah, think about what you want and, and where it's going. Okay, Metaverse Nation, great news. If you're enjoying this episode, you'll love our book. Written by our lovely co-hosts and industry leaders in the NFT and metaverse space, we published an in-depth guide for how to succeed in the new Web 3.0 environment. How can you as a brand or a company capitalize on the momentum? How are others doing it? We demystify the industry and potential for you. The link to the book is listed in the show notes, or you can simply look for the Navigating the Metaverse book on Amazon or visit our website at themetaversebook.me. But let's get back to the show. How do you think it's the the marketing department or the strategy department of businesses would need to adjust or prepare? What do they need to change from what they have been doing in Web 2 when they think of campaigns and story 
creation in Web3. Joshua, you're touching on a couple of very interesting points, right? Short-term versus long-term, right? Immersive versus non-immersive, right? So um, for the audience here, how to prepare for a campaign in Web3 in the metaverse? That's a really interesting question. Uh, it's one that we'd love to help you with. Uh, if anybody out there is looking for an event to hold. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I would say the, the, the first big question is to get creative. Like, what's the best version of, of what you want to do? Because you can do it. You know, you can do it in the metaverse. Um, you know, it, it, it does sort of create a, a, an idealized experience for a lot of these different brands. Because, again, it's permanent. And once it's created, it, it's there. Like, you do not, you're not paying a continuous rental fee on your space. Or your pop-up is not disappearing um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a blue sky scenario. It's really, it's really what you think. It's what you want to do and, and, uh, coming up with a creative new look at it. It's a marketer's dream. So pretty, pretty basically creative approach on, uh, on creating something new. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I feel like when brands and companies are building for, for a web two experience, they're focused more on the information and what they're trying to convey. And when you're building for Web3, there's this added element of the immersive experience. And that completely changes the, you know, what you're trying to get to your potential customers. So um, it's probably something I was actually going to ask Kathy in, in the audience here, you know, it's should brands, how much should brands be focusing on this now, potentially years ahead of, you know, a sort of the broader version of the metaverse as, you know, Facebook and others see it, how much should they be laying down groundwork now and building towards that? Yeah. So I'll give you my opinion on this. Um, I feel that now is the time for brands to experiment, right. And have pilots and experiment, test assumptions, those sorts of things. I think that there's probably like in my perspective, at least a two maximum two year window to make these experiments and potentially fail. Right. You can still do something and fail and you're going to be okay. People might give you a pass in two years. If you like, if you do a pilot, you do it wrong and fail. I don't think people are going to be as, as nice to you. They're not going to give you a pass right now. I think there's still that time, right? This is a test and experimentation moment. Um, you know, so, cause some things that we don't like, some things go really well. Some things don't go as well, but I think that's part of what brands have to do right now. Um, I do feel like the marketing teams and even the innovation teams that I work with, they're reinvigorated. Like this is this, this is, they're in the they're little kids in a candy store. Like, you know, it's like, wow, why don't we test this? Why don't we test that? Right. It depends obviously on the brand and the, their appetite for risk and uncertainty. But, um, but I do see, you know, do they have to go all in and create a metaverse team? No, not everyone needs to do that. Some people are more bold, right. Uh, than others. Some people see the necessity to do that. But what I do think brands need to do is definitely experiment, have clear pilots. What are they trying to test, right? The marketing team is going to want to do activations to be the, always be the first to do X, right? Um, but when I work with them, I create, you know, holistic strategies with clear pilots and faced approach. What are you trying to test with all of these? So that's how I approach it. And when I talk to brands, like I'm starting to just not necessarily, you know, I'm not moving away from the term metaverse, but what I want to plant with them is to see that, it's not just about the metaverse or Web3. Like, I'm working with you to prepare you for the future of the internet. Like, so if the internet affected your company, your business, which I'm sure it did, or social media did, like, this is the next iteration. That's where we're heading. What you're doing is making, doing pilots right now to test and, you know, and learn as you prepare for the future of the internet. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that was an interesting perspective that, you know, there's there's room now to fail, but there may not be in the future. Yeah. And I was thinking back to, you know, our, our editor-in-chief at Decrypt, Dan Roberts, wrote a piece in December called Will Brands Ruin the Metaverse? <laughs> and he was pointing to some examples of, you know, branded NFTs that just didn't really land well with people. Um, one of the key examples was Pepsi launching NFTs that looked like microphones with like hair and, and sunglasses and stuff and and them tweeting things like wag me and GM. It just it just so clearly felt like an outsider trying to come into the space and be like, hey kids, like we're one of you. And it just it didn't work and and people in the scene really, really hated it. Um, but you can contrast that to something like Adidas coming in and they're working with brands in the community that came from Web3, like Bored Apes, uh, the influencer G-Money, Punks Comics, and they released their own NFTs, but it was in collaboration. And it wasn't just like a brand coming in and saying like, well, you know, we're we're a big deal. This is how we do it and you're going to buy it. And it's just such a clear contrast. Yeah, and you make a huge point here, Andrew, right? It's in Web3 is all about collaborative uh, and jointly creating value. Value for whom, right? For a community, right? And I think the term actually community is misunderstood too, not only the metaverse, but also community because we think community and associate community with Web2, which is kind of more followers, right? Rather than in Web3, community means jointly creating value, right? Where at the center of all this, you have a mission. So mission alignment, right? And many brands actually underestimate the fact what it means building the community. And it is not a streamlined process. It's not easy. You need dedication, right? So your reallocation of resources to build the community, right? is fundamentally important. We need to learn it, right? So that we can create uh, and collaborate on the mission rather than just thinking of selling digital assets now that are, can be owned, uh, uh, right? Yeah, I would imagine it's extremely difficult for brands to kind of cede some control of you know, their marketing or their plans and their operations to a community. I mean, that, but that's what the decentralized uh, world is all about. It's about being able to work with, you know, big players and, and little players and everybody kind of doing their part to bring something to life. Well, I think that begs the question, Andrew, and this is a really important question for all of us to kind of go down the rabbit hole. Is the future only open and decentralized? Right? Because like in my mind, like the brands I work with and the companies I work with, they're excited about the open part. They're not as excited about the decentralized part. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Right. But is the future going to be mostly open and decentralized or will we see a big component of open decentralized push, you know, like that is championed by Web3, but there might be these walled gardens here. Like, how do you guys envision it? Yeah, I imagine we're going to get both of those things because, you know, as much as the crypto community wants everything to be open and free to access and interoperable, not every giant company is necessarily going to want to make those <laughs> sacrifices or concessions and, and you know, let people play with their brand in a way that maybe they don't agree with. Um, so, you know, we don't know exactly what Facebook and other big companies are going to do. There's sort of been mixed reports about what they have in mind. Um, it, it may come to be that you get more of sort of the, the Web3 native stuff mm -hmm. that is more open and flexible and collaborative. And then you get a version that is similar in some ways, but also allows more control to the creator and more of a centralized system. And to that point, and I know, Joshua, you're going to answer too, but like when Mark Zuckerberg talks about NFTs and Instagram, like where's the blockchain component of this? I'm, I'm trying to understand where these are going to live. So anyway. 
Yeah, I think it's really true. I mean, you know, uh, to, to take it broader, you know, the first question that you're that everybody asks when they find out that you work in the metaverse or whatnot is which metaverse is going to win? Uh, and the answer is, of course, is that we don't know. Uh, and there are probably going to be different strokes for different folks. I mean, like, even if you look at what's out there now, mm-hmm. even just starting from a st- an aesthetic point of view, there are vast differences in these different worlds. Um, you know, some of them look more cartoony, some of them more are blocky, some of them are, are trying to be, you know, video gamey, some of them are trying to look real life. Um, you could take all that same variance and apply it to to what kind of protocols we're eventually going to have, I would imagine, and the same thing. Like, maybe the big winner is not out there, isn't out there yet. Maybe they are out there. Maybe mm-hmm. it's five big winners. Maybe it's three. Maybe it's a million. Maybe one company takes them all, and, and we just don't know. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And geopolitically, like, there's... Just like with the internet, like there's two different, two different things happening, right? With metaverse, so yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we have been seeing this also in Web two, right? In two thousand and four, um, uh, you know, MySpace came up. Uh, you know, actually, kind of started. Uh, Kicking off uh, the social media and then and then, but you know, was pretty big back then, and not only pretty big from a from a company size perspective, but uh, um, if 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 we listen into story, what happened in my space, right? Um, I'm a best friend of mine. He met uh, his uh, his wife, you know, on MySpace, right? And so there was a, like like. A, uh, life changing moments through those uh, through those uh, back then very hyped. Uh, uh, New new sectors, but then it didn't make it, and and then we had segmentations such as you know YouTube with videos and Pinterest more on on the graphical side on the on a on a on a, on a collectible gra- graphical side right and and then Instagrams of this world and obviously the the Facebook and I think a a, a similar thing is what's going to happen here in the metaverse. Maybe we are at May, May, MySpace times right, whatever seems to be big right now and and whatever has a big uh, impact uh, as of today might be uh, going down or being acquired in a couple of months or or years. Who knows right? So what are your thoughts on on this and big new players coming up? Uh, Soon next with new layer one, layer two technologies, no gas fees, right? Maybe completely immersive or not immersive. I throw in even one, one more thing, triple A oriented ga- games, right? Which is also, you're seeing a trend there. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't expect that there's going to be one, uh, you know, blockchain platform or ecosystem that's going to win out. I feel like there are so many different options and they're, they're similar-ish in operation, but there are benefits to some over others. And you know, over time, the technology will get better. There'll be more uh, more capabilities. It'll be easier to use, cheaper to use. So there's probably a lot of growth and transition and disruption that'll happen in that space. But even in terms of um, kind of platforms and brands, I think we're already seeing, you know, something like Axie Infinity blew up last year, uh, billions of dollars in NFT trading volume. And then almost as quickly, it has sputtered out over the last three months. Like, the the economy just was not sustainable. They were releasing just so many reward tokens and nobody wanted to buy them anymore. And then the prices for the, the NFT creatures just plummeted from hundreds of dollars to like tens of dollars. And so it shows how quickly that things can change in this space. And also I think how early it is because they are experimenting and they are, you know, in case of Axie, they're trying to fix it. Who knows if they will, but it just sort of opens the door for other platforms and games and experiences to pop up. I agree. And it's about filling different needs as well. Like if we go back to Web2, you know, if we look at the, mm-hmm. the social media companies that won Twitter, 
degree, that means, you know, they, they do different things. Facebook is for friends. Twitter is for messaging. Instagram is for sharing, you know, images. Snapchat is for sharing uh, ephemeral images. Uh, and so you can definitely see worlds where, where different, you know, metaverses uh, are filling different needs. You know, some of them might be for art. Some of them might be for business transactions. Some of them might be for sports or for fun or for games. And you could, you know, okay. they might have yep. fashion. Exactly. They might have different features. You know, maybe some of them have a better graphical package. So you can you can do more, you know, games and sports and so on. Maybe some of them, you, I mean, I'm just throwing random things out here. You can, you'll be able to upload more content too. So they'll be good for displaying items or showing videos or showing movies or whatnot. Like you could see a lot of different you know, use purposes here. Kathy, you mentioned uh, that uh, at the end of the day, innovation cannot be understood on, on paper. You need to experiment, mitigate risks, start small, but do something, right? So fundamentally relevant not, not, uh, right now for, for those who are uh, uh, representing, uh, you know, marketing, strategy department, new business units to go out and uh, get your, 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 you know, jump into the cold water. Right, um, Joshua. How would you? What would you advise corporations that haven't started yet in doing metaverse experiments? How to prepare? What to do? Do you have any um, ideas on a one, two, three step approach that you would like to share with our audience? Sure. I mean, I think I'd, I'd start from the same place that that most advertising begins is to think about your customers, um, who they are, what they want, what they're interested in. Why they use your your product or your service, um, you know what, are, and, and from that to to draw, to draw out what kind of experiences are they going to be interested in? You know, there was a whole wave in advertising a couple of years ago where the the, the buzzword became authenticity, uh, and you know, creating experiences that were authentic, uh, and so on. And you know, the reality of this situation is is that there's authenticity and then there's real authenticity. Um, and audiences are, especially modern audiences that have grown up on media and grown up being advertised to, are very, very smart about figuring out what is authentic versus really authentic. Um, so, you know, I'd say, that, you know, really the place to begin is, is to start to think about, start to think about your people, you know, think about what they want, think about what the experience is. Like, you know, there was, there was nothing like seeing people, you know, who had grown up, um, or not grown up, but, but more been, you know, exposed to the, to the GameStop phenomenon and the, the to the moon meme stepping into this world because we told them really not much about it before they came and finding out that they were on the moon. You know, that was a really exciting moment for everybody. Uh, and it really sort of seamlessly worked with not necessarily the environment they expected, but the environment that, that made sense to them, that they understood. And, you know, again, to, to bang the drum again, you can do whatever you want in the metaverse. And so really drilling down to your community and again, community is another word that's thrown out a lot these days, but really drilling down and, and thinking about who they are and what they want is, is got to be step number one, you know, if you really want to create connection. Persona, step number one, and then around the persona and the target audience, understanding their needs. Uh, Andrew, where would you take it from here? You know, Josh was talking about authenticity and, and all I could think of is once things are immersive, like you're going to feel that authenticity or more importantly, that lack of authenticity. Yeah. Uh, I can just imagine, you know, how, how startling that might feel to kind of be in an environment, uh, a branded environment that just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel like the kind of thing that you want to experience and be in and how quickly you might want to jettison out of there and go to, you know, a, a space that feels more interesting or comfortable to you. And I just imagine that, um, you know, that feeling is just going to be amplified so much further in the metaverse. 
Kathy, if I ask you the step one, two, three <laughs> for the for the corporations, right? So, what what would you like to to finalize this with? <laughs> well, they can hire me to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What I would say is, I mean, I think instead of one, two, three, I would say my advice to them is: right. now is your time to test and experiment, right? right. You know, sometimes you can do tests without people even knowing it's your brand, right? There's ways to do things where you can just test assumptions. Um, you know, that's one. Um, I would say starting to spend more time in these communities and understand the culture that is happening. I think that's another part because it's really easy to talk. In, like people, I think some brands think like because they build it, people are going to come. No, it's got to be fun. Like if you're building something in Roblox or wherever it is, like, this is a gaming community. Like it's gotta be fun. So things like that. And then I think just being, you know, I think being clear on what your mission and your vision are. And, and when you go in those spaces, you know, try to have inclusivity um, and accessibility as something that you, you know, think about. I don't want it to be kind of something that they think about afterwards. I wanted to kind of think about this. Um, so like, you know, like if you're doing something with avatars, how can you be more inclusive? Like what are things, and it's never going to necessarily be perfect, but at least try, right. At least try to have that conversation early on. So those are, that's some advice I would give some of the brands that are thinking about entering the space. What I will say is every brand I work with, there is no size fits all. Everyone is doing a different crawl, walk, run. Everyone's at a different pace and every brand, even if you're in the same luxury conglomerate has a different perspective and a different level of of um of comfort when it comes to entering these spaces so yeah it's a nice recipe that we put together right no silver bullets but we have some indications so first obviously focus on people and their needs right then the second one be authentic right so be also go beyond and, and their creativity and last but not least before you actually execute as Kathy is saying you know, spend time in the communities and understand right what's going on and uh, how they are behaving differently so be be nuanced and maybe i would like to to wrap up things here on, on this line of reasoning right uh, again don't try to seek the one metaverse right there is not the one metaverse right but experiment really across uh, many metaverses that might fit best to the actual campaign that you are running is it more creative you leverage one type of metaverse with creativity right is it more serious or more retail oriented more real life you know pick something that is more real life oriented right and then try to collect some data on how well, some feedback right on what what uh, how the community is uh, reacting but overall we all mentioned community 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 build it you know call collectively with them and uh, um, I love this topic we could talk for hours about about that but we are getting also in this uh, episode uh, wrapping up and coming to an end and I like to wrap up things always with uh, a question that is kind of you know um, balances things between uh, one side and the other um, side of things, which is, uh, Joshua, what is it that wows you in the metaverse? And at the same time, what is it that scares you in the metaverse? Good question. Uh, I think, you know, for, for scares me, you know, one has to go back to the, you know, there is a real world out there too. Um, and, you know, we don't want people completely disappearing into the metaverse. I know that's the stock answer, but I think that, you know, that's, that's, uh, that would be the one that I would throw out there. Um, you know, what really wows me um, is, is it's just got to be the opportunity. You know, there's just, there's, there's so much, we're, we're so at the beginning of this at this point. You know, there's so much more to come. I think it is probably wise to say that, you know, 
two years from now, five years from now, there will be developments that have come that we, we can't even anticipate or you know think of at this point. Um, I'm really interested to see, uh, Andrew brought this up and, and you did as well, the possibility of haptics, you know, where we go with that. Because uh, obviously that takes us to an entirely new place. Um, you know, it's just the opportunity. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think any of us know what's going to happen. All we know is that it's going to be incredible. Uh, and that's just the most exciting part to me. On one hand, opportunity. On the other hand, not everybody in the future <laughs> in the metaverse, right? Andrew, so. what's, what's your take there? Yeah, I mean, the, the potential scale of how transformative this could be is, is really exciting. Just how new it could all feel, the potential for new experiences that we can share with other people from around the world, um, and just the ability to connect in new ways and, and feel things in new ways. Um, the thing that scares me is, you know, right now I can, I can disconnect from the internet or have it at arm's length. I can check on my phone and then put it down and, and not think about it. But if the internet is significantly more immersive, it, it feels more like a commitment. Like I have to go into the metaverse or the internet. And, uh, you know, I don't always want to be <laughs> on the internet. I don't always want to be plugged in. So, um, you know, that, that needs to be considered as well. In Web2, we used to say always on, right? Is it now always in? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We go from very outline, yeah. <laughs> well, and with that, I would like to thank you so much uh, for uh, yeah allowing us to share your lessons, learns, and your perspective with our audience. Another um, episode on navigating the metaverse with Andrew Hayward. Thank you so much, Joshua Roth, and Kathy Hackel, the godmother of the metaverse. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This episode was brought to you by Upland and Decrypt Media, our go-to place for the latest Bitcoin and Ethereum news from Decrypt. Get the latest on cryptocurrency prices, breaking news, and more about Bitcoin and blockchain on Decrypt.co. Another quick reminder about our referral code for Upland, the Earth's metaverse where you can flip virtual properties, become a MetaVentures entrepreneur, or just connect with other like-minded players to rebuild the world together. Download Upland on iOS, Android, or web today using the referral link in the show notes and get a 6,000 UPEX sign-up bonus. Just a quick disclaimer, the information shared on this show is for entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. Thank you for joining us and see you in the metaverse.